Welcome everyone to another episode of Memphis Hardwood. We have transitioned from the preseason to the real season. We are on the eve of the Memphis Grizzlies regular season debut against the New York Knicks. And I could not be any more excited for the season to finally be here. For avid listeners of Memphis Hardwood, you know we have not taken a break. There has been no offseason for this team. But it is such a relief to see the boys in Beale Street Blue taking the court for real. And before I get into anything else, I got to get Marvin Stockwell in the mix. Marvin, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I cannot believe we are on the eve. We are finally, and I'm rubbing my hands together. If you don't want to know what that slap was, and I don't know whether this comes through on the audio, and I'm rubbing my hands together like I'm warming myself over a fire. And that's the fire of the amazing on fire grizzly squad. It's going to light up this season. <laughs> no you doubt know. about it, man. Yeah, man. I'm I mean, stoked. I mean, we got to talk a little bit about this preseason because um, when we think about, you know, setting the league on fire, right? We got to think about, yeah, the Grizzlies look like on the court, right? Just in so much as they were able to get some reps in the preseason and a couple of caveats first, you know, I like Chris Harrington's rule of let's wait 10 games into the season before we start making any real predictions about what we think is going to happen. Um, let me put it this way, not predictions, evaluations of performances, of personnel, of those kind of things. So we're not going to, we're not going to base, you know, a a full season's worth of here's who we're going to be and where we're going to excel based on the preseason games. We still got to unpack that. But the other thing, right? The other caveat here is this is a different Memphis Grizzlies team, Marvin, than won 56 games last year. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And I want to get into the preseason action by way of looking at this roster a little bit. So let's start with the most recent news. Brandon Clark inks a four-year, $52 million deal. We heard talk of this going down at Media Day from BC himself when he said, I'm just so lucky Mm -hmm. to be in a position to be able to sign. I mean, (laughs) I can't really say much about that. (laughs) So many of us thought, okay, this is going down, right? BC is going to do his thing. And sure enough, he got it done. Um, I believe the day before the day of the deadline. So quick thoughts on uh, Ink and BC to four more years. I mean, he's such a high energy player. There's so much to love about his game. There's so much to love about his backstory from from a fan perspective. uh, It's, it's, it's hard not to, to just uh, delight in this, right? Like, it's like, we love Brandon Clark. He just brings so much energy He's the exact same. He's such a great teammate. Couldn't be happier. Yeah. And the thing that he does incredibly well that the Grizzlies are going to need a little more help with, particularly on the second unit is rebounding. He's an excellent rebounder. There was a great um, story on the athletic this week. Um, They've got Fred Katz, who I think is the New York Knicks writer. He was doing a little story about Brandon Clark. And, you know, this is my weekly tradition of shouting out the athletic to try to get another Memphis Grizzlies beat writer in the mix, por favor. But they had a great story about BC. And basically he said, I have been known for my second jump for most of my life. And it's, it's hilarious. Cause when he said that I realized, dang, that is really something BC does. Well, if you go up, you know, tip the ball up, nobody gets it the first time, but then the second time BC can go up and he gets the ball. So just something to, to pay attention to. Um, yeah. As BC hits the offensive glass. Cause we're going to need that. Um, mm-hmm. So, Marv, this comes on the heels of uh, a Steven Adams deal, uh, two years. Um, we got John Conchar signed on a new deal, a new deal. Josh signs a Supermax deal, um, which will be, I believe, worth north of $240 million if he makes all in the yeah. day. Uh, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. signed 
uh, his new deal last year. So he's starting the first year of his four-year deal this year. So the core is kind of locked in with this new configuration, right? And all these yeah. new signings. Bain, Desmond Bain will get signed in 2024. Um, and I think that's going to be maybe close to a max deal as well, especially if he makes the all-star team this year. And we can talk about whether we think that's going to mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other notes as we think about the roster, Marv Dylan, the, the Grizzlies can't afford to pay Dylan um, until he's a restricted free agent. They, they're literally limited in how much they can pay him <clears throat> until he moves into restricted free agency. So in the Dylan Brooks um, contract, You've got an expiring contract. I think he's in the $10 million range. Danny Green is, is also on an expiring contract. So yeah. I think the Grizz will keep their options open with those two contracts, 22 ish mm-hmm. million dollars in case a trade opens up. But I can also see them keeping both of those players on the roster through the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so just thoughts on this on this roster as we kind of go into the into the regular season, Marv. Yeah, well, it's. I think it's important to to note that we are in somewhat <clears throat> rarefied air, or certainly in enviable territory. That we have that we are that we are picking and choosing between such fantastic options, and that we have a front office that's really smart, makes great decisions, and is willing to spend money if the thing makes sense, and is not jumpy. Like so, like we're just like it, it's an incredible position for us to be in as as fans. So uh, exactly what we do, of course, is going to uh, have everything to do with exactly how the season plays out. And yes, you know, we can get into it here in a second, but, but yeah, Dylan Brooks, can he be more uh, efficient? I I, I, I feel like he has to do that to, to keep his place with the Grizzlies and he, it behooves him to do that and show that he can do that so that he can get paid elsewhere. If that's his goal or, you know, uh, so it's like, he has every reason in the world to figure out how to be more efficient and to improve his shot selection uh, yeah. and then open up shots for other players. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like, is he going to do it? Yeah. And I really feel like it's a lot of people want to jump on him in the preseason and say, oh, there's your evidence that it'll never change. Yeah. I, I don't think that's true. Either. Yeah. Well, let's let's dig into that for one second, because and shout out to Drew Hill and Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphian pod because I was watching the shots closely that Dylan took. And I have to be honest, Marv, it really felt like Tony Allen trick-or-treat time again. Mm-hmm. And when I say Tony Allen trick-or-treat time, I don't mean Tony Allen forcing a turnover, getting out into the open court and missing a layup, right? That was the that was the Tony Allen experience. You're like, oh, this is amazing. You got to steal. And now he blows it at the cup, right? When, I, when I'm talking about trick-or-treat, I, I'm talking about Dylan Brooks shooting the ball just period. <laughs> like whenever he has the ball in his hands, I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to put up a shot. Oh my God. And then it goes in. You're like, Oh, that was great. <laughs> or more often yeah. than not, he goes up and he puts up a shot and you're thinking, Oh my God, don't do that. Oh, I knew he shouldn't have shot that shot. Um, okay. So a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. First of all, Dylan said in media day that he's going to try to take less mid range shots. Um, he didn't say he wasn't going to take any. So I was watching for that. And by my count, I think in the preseason, I saw him take less than five total mid-range mm-hmm. shots. Most of them were at the top of the box, at the elbow, essentially. And he could just rise up and fire over um, smaller defenders. Mm-hmm. Now, here's his shot count, Marv, from the preseason. Dylan Brooks took 11 shots, field goals, field, field goals attempted in the preseason. 
how many shots do you think Desmond Bain took in the preseason? Putting you on the spot here. 25. Uh, over. You're over. Go. Yeah. Go under. I'd say, yeah, go under. 20. Uh, nope. 18. Under. 15. 14.5. Huh. Okay. Okay. So Dylan Brooks takes 11. Desmond Bain takes 15. So that's, uh-huh. that's already trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how many do you think John Morant takes? Uh, 22, 17. Okay. So, but the point is Ja takes 17 shots. Dylan Brooks takes 15 shots. I mean, excuse me, Desmond Bain takes 15 shots and Dylan Brooks takes 11. That's Mm -hmm. closer to the hierarchy you want in terms of shot selection Mm -hmm. for the Grizzlies. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, when Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back, it'll be interesting, right? Like, do you want Jaron Jackson Jr. taking more shots than Dylan Brooks? Um, what would be your thoughts on that sort of initially? Oh gosh, you know, uh, Jaron's shooting is is uh, has has ebbed and flowed, so it's like, you know, uh, can his shooting improve? You know, like that that's another big question. And we, we kind of, in a way, we kind of sidebar Jaron because we're like, yeah, 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 set him aside because he's in here, he'll be back, right? But yeah, like when he comes back, uh, I I mean, it's like <clears throat> he's become such an incredible defender, but can he get his stroke back? Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. I I think the answer is yes. I mean, he shot historically well uh, in his second season for a seven footer. Um, Mm. And I can't remember what it was, but it was something like 153 pointers made and 200 blocks or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. He had some, you know, crazy statistic. And so, and and for his career, um, you know, he is, he's a good, he's a very good shooter uh, from three point Mm -hmm. range. His inside the arc offense was just super awkward last year. Um, and so I don't know, you know, I don't know what's up with that, but hopefully he's going to be able to, to get that back on track. But Jaron mm-hmm. is historically a really good uh, shooter. And so, you know, I do think he's going to get mm-hmm. that. I do think he's going to get that stroke back, Marv. But in the meantime, we've got Santi Aldama. And I want to yeah. talk for a minute about Sir Santi. Um, played all five games in the preseason. Um, average 25 minutes per game. Um, so right there, you know, with all the other, all the other starters, um, he had 12 points per game, 12.2 points. He made, uh, 4.6 field goals on eight attempts. So he was shooting 56% from the field and he was, he was essentially shooting. Um, he was making one, three, 1.2 threes for every three that he shot. So he was shooting 40% from three. So, I mean, that is really, really positive. I mean, I was surprised with Santi Marv. I don't know what you, when you were watching Mm -hmm. him, I mean, I just, Santi Claus is giving us some early gifts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think the, the, the preseason hype was to, Oh, watch out for Santi. He really classed it up. He he really made some improvements. Well, I think that's borne out to to be uh, observably true. Uh, Now is it sustainable? (laughs) <laughs> Will he stay on that arc? Yeah. Uh, I hope so. I hope yeah. so. It looks like he's put in the work. Yeah. And I think he had a good summer. Um, yeah. So we'll have to see, right? With yep. regular starter minutes, what can Santi do? But hey, you could do worse, particularly when Jaron comes back to have a seven foot big guy, you know, who's showed some decent rim protection skills and can hit the three pointer coming off your bench. You could do much mm-hmm. worse than that. 
That's true. Um, I want to talk a little bit about just the transcendence of John ja Morant in the final preseason game. Um, mm, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how closely you followed that game, but it was um, outrageously entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, I mean, it was amazing, and and after you know, getting beaten by the magic and the Pistons. (laughs) And I don't know, leaving me wondering a little bit, right? Like John Morant was, I just thought absolutely transcendent and his confidence was contagious. And in a way it's like, well, this is why you don't turn off in the preseason, the Roddy dunk. I don't know if you remember David Roddy rumbling down the lane for this thunderous dunk. (laughs) Yeah. And then the almost jitty dunk. So jitty went down the lane. He was about to throw it down and, uh, couldn't couldn't get it to go. Um, and then X doing the Statue of Liberty uh, dunk going up over some fools. <laughs> yeah. uh, the LaRavia rainbow shot like it was just I could just tell that John Morant's confidence had infected all of these other guys. <laughs> they were like, we're yeah. going we are going for it in preseason. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and that that's something we observed in different ways throughout last season as well. And that is to say. Uh, that that Ja has such a multiplicative effect. Uh, his gifts, both as a player and as a leader, and as a just a, a great teammate, uh, just pay so many uh, dividends. It's like his enthusiasm. He's the leader as 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 Ja goes, the Grizzlies go, and that doesn't mean. I mean, that's both true and false because, of course, last season we saw the the, the Grizzlies really put out some uh, uh, some great effort and win games that. That Ja didn't even play, so uh, it's not that that we don't have. We've got so many weapons, but I just think he's a great team leader that inspires greatness in the rest of his team, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, I just thought it was amazing, right? Like, you know, the Grizzlies played their starters for those last four, I think, of five preseason games. Uh, when a lot of teams sat their starters, right? And then it was, you know, it was a little bit scary watching Steven Adams take a blow and go down for a minute, right? But he got back yeah. up and he's cleared to play. So he'll be in the starting lineup on tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it was good. I think I think the players needed to test run. I think they needed to understand that this is what it's going to take. And I think particularly with that many rookies to have someone like John Morant to demonstrate, right, that high level of engagement, even in the preseason, which says, listen, I'm the star, it's preseason, but you still play hard. That's how we play, um, yeah. you know, yeah. at, the, at the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, a couple sure. other folks I want to, uh, that I want to shout out, and that's John Conchar. Um, mm-hmm. Ginny is solidly in the lineup, Marv. Um, yeah. He is solidly in the lineup. And, you know, I... I definitely, so I just need to say Matt heard like a friend of the pod. He wrote a real good breakdown about who's going to soak up the extra minutes now that um, D'Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson are gone. And John Conchar mm. really is the first person on that list, uh, Marv. So how are you feeling about Jitty just from the eye test? And then I'll kind of share some stats. Um, you know, I'll share some stats from uh, the preseason. I think the John Conchar story is constantly over delivering, constantly surprising, you know, like he's uh, (coughs) and I think at every chance that he's had been given a little bit more bandwidth, he comes in and and does really well. Uh, He makes the most of what he has and he makes the most of what he's given. Uh, And I think that's who he is. 
So I think he will rise to the occasion. Yeah. I think in his limited minutes, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And so he played 22 minutes per game, had six points. Um, he shot roughly three and a half uh, three pointers per game. So actually just slightly more than Santi Aldama. He hit 1.3 of those. So he was shooting 36% from three. That is m- more than enough um, mm-hmm. to, to respect the outside threat. He, of course, um, out-rebounded for a player of his stature at his position, six rebounds per game, two assists, one steal, one block in four games. To me, if John Conchar maintains that contribution level throughout the Grizzlies season, we'll be absolutely fine. And yeah. The, and let me tell you what I think the big difference is like, and, and you can go to Herdlicka's um, Patreon site. I encourage all y'all to sign up and support him. He gives all the money to charity. It's only two bucks a month. But one of the things that Herdlicka says is Kyle Anderson was an absolute non-threat in the half court. And he was a great passer, but he, he could not be relied upon in particular to shoot the three ball and make it. I think John Conchar is going to be a better three-point shooter. Now, the Herdlicka also points out, he says, listen, the, the, the number of three-pointers that Conchar made last year, um, it gave him a pretty good, like a 40% three-point rate, but he shot so few of them that basically it's statistically insignificant. So we don't know what kind of shooter John Carr's, Conchar is going to be, but the eye test tells me and his work ethic suggests to me that yeah. he's going to be a reliable spot-up three-point shooter. I think he's going to make more open shots than Kyle Anderson did. You heard it here first. Yeah, so, I see that. I, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, no, I think he's got a, he's got good form. You know, with 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 Kyle, it was like there toward the end. You, you felt bad for him because you knew he originally had the proper mechanics, and it just it just wasn't coming back to him. And and and, and then defense were were slacking off of him. You hated to see that because yeah. such a great player in so many other regards. But I yeah. I, I don't see that problem. Uh, it's not his fault. It was like injury related. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, but with Conchar, I, I, I just, I've seen him, he can shoot. Yeah. <laughs> he can so. shoot. So like, so. and I don't think he's afraid, you no. know, he's not afraid of the moment. So. And the Grizzlies are going to need more rebounding. And so particularly yeah. in that second unit. So if you've got Brandon Clark and John Conchar out there, they're going to be able to grab some rebounds and it'll be interesting to see if David Roddy can do the same, but I was yeah. feeling a little panicked Marv. Um, early in the preseason about missing melt and Kyle Anderson just, and I meant, uh, let me, let me explain what I mean. I meant mostly from a ball handling second unit um, sort of, sort of the basic level of competence of the second unit. I was concerned that that would, that that had dropped off, dropped off as a result of living in particular Kyle Anderson. But I yeah. honestly think the Grizzlies will be able to make it up, but you're going to have to get some contributions. And Matt Herdlicka broke this down from one of either Jake LaRavia or David Roddy. One of, one of those guys will be in the rotation this year, Marv. And so when yeah. you look at, when you look at the Grizzlies preseason, you look at those two rookies, um, who, who among those two do you think will fit in with a second unit? That's probably going to be Tyus Jones, John Conchar, Brandon Clark, um, Santi Aldama, probably eventually, and Larati Arabia. My gut says Roddy. I agree with you. And that's what Herdlicka thinks too. Yeah. Why do you say that though? I just, I just, because the DNA of the Grizzlies is 
is is effort and pluck and hustle and yeah. grit and grind and all that. And it's like, right, he just looks like a grizzly, you know? And I'm not <laughs> saying LaRavia is, I want LaRavia to be a great player. And, you know, oh, we, yeah. can t- we can figure these things out, right? And he will develop yeah, yeah. as a player. But I just think that, I just think Roddy's, Roddy's the, I, I just, I, I just, I love the idea of watching the, that kind of like, you know, just bruiser squad and which yeah. of which you'd be a perfect compliment to. Absolutely. Right? Well, yeah. the reason I, it's similar to you. The reason I think he's going to be a great fit is because he plays hard, of course, but he has size. So I think he's going to grab more rebounds than Jake yeah. Arabia would at least earlier in his career. And the Grizzlies need help this year. I think he's going to grab more rebounds. I think he's going to end up shooting the ball better. He looks more mature and more poised. Um, to me, Jake LaRavia looks very um, unpolished. He looks like a work in progress. Yeah. And he, he honestly looks a lot more like um, Xavier, um, not Xavier Tillman, um, our rookie from Stanford. Why is Zaire Williams? He looks yeah. a lot like Zaire did at the beginning of last year. Didn't know where to be on the floor. Didn't have the confidence to pull it up and shoot it. Definitely didn't have the floor game, the confidence to put the ball on the floor. That's how LaRavia looks to me. But you can see the skills. You can see the raw tools. You can see that he's got the components. But I think David Roddy is ready now. Yes. I think yeah. he's ready to be your 10th guy coming into the rotation. And Marv, it's going to come down to really his ability to shoot the three-point shot. And he took almost four attempts per game and made basically one per game uh, for the Grizzlies. So shooting 26% from three inside the arc, shooting 37%, um, basically three made shots on seven attempts. So not great. Yeah. But the shots I think will fall. It will come once he gets a little bit more accustomed to playing at the NBA level. Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, I think that, I think we're going to have a, I think we're going to have a decent team this year. And this is where I want to kind of get into and, and kind of conclude. We'll keep a, we'll keep it short for today because we've got a big season coming up and lots to do. But um, I think the Grizzlies are going to take a step back in terms of win totals this year. Um, I don't think they're going to be a 56 win team in part because the West is going to be better um, just simply from having guys like Kawhi Leonard back guys like Zion Williamson back. Um, yeah. you know, I think, uh, having a team like Minnesota adding in Rudy Gobert, I mean, I think that's going to make them better. Um, Jamal Murray coming back for the Denver nuggets. I mean, three of the best players in the West didn't play a single game last year. Mm-hmm. So I think just by default, the Grizzlies are going to, you know, by way of other teams being better, they're going to take a step back. And I also think that they've placed a little bit more of a medium term bet with their rookies. If these guys can pan out, if they can hit three, if they can hit the the three shot, if they can play good team defense, serviceable team defense in the next two to three years, then you're very firmly in that window. So I don't think the Grizzlies made moves with the intent of trying to replicate regular season success this year. That being said, I think the Grizzlies will be better in the playoffs this year. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to advance farther than they advanced this year. I just think that they're going to be better against better competition um, because I think they're going to have a better half court. uh, I think they're going to have a better half court game. So Marv, what do you think? And then I'll share my preseason schedule prediction with you. What do I think about win total? Yeah. Or just in general and just in general going into the season, some of these themes, I know that this is, this is a, 
this is a contrarian uh, uh, opinion, and it's 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 not necessarily based on a whole lot of research. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just it's just my my gut here. Uh, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say 61 wins for no reason <laughs> because I love, I love because here's the thing that was so delightful about last season is that nobody could have predicted it, and I think I, I'm like. I wonder if that's just our DNA and the, the hopeful part of me, the optimist in me says that wasn't just a fluke of last season. That's, that's who we are. That's in our DNA and everybody got better. You're not wrong about the rest of the West getting better. That is absolutely right. It makes a perfectly logical uh, 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 argument. You know, I, I just think we're somehow going to, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to find a way to get to 61 wins. I don't, I don't know. I can't back that up. I, I know it's, but, uh, but I think uh, oh, somebody from Grind City Media also said it was, who was it? It was, uh, she just sent out a tweet actually. Hey, uh, Kelsey Ray Johnson. K- yeah. KJ yeah. Yeah, on yeah. Twitter. What'd she she say? was saying that she was saying uh, that they're, that this is the season the Grizzlies get past 60 wins. Oh, uh, dang. Yeah. Yeah. She made the bold stroke. And then I was all like, I'm wow. with that. Wow, I'm with, I'm with that. Well, damn. And uh, won't it be exciting? I mean, you'll love it if I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> oh, listen, I know. I already told Marv what my prediction is, and 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 mine is not going to be earth shattering. You know, just I mean, spoiler alert: it's the same as Chris Harrington and John Hollinger. But I did do some research. I did go through the schedule. Sure. So by my count, we've got 36 easy ones. So by easy ones, I'm talking about the Houston's, the Sacramento's, the Utah's. The Portland's, the Charlotte's, the Washington's, the San Antonio's, the Oklahoma cities. Um, I would, I'd throw Detroit in there. I don't think D- Detroit is going to be great this year, but they could surprise some people. Um, I think Orlando is going to be not great. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put the Lakers in the easy bucket. I mean, I, I think the Lakers are going to suck. I just yeah. think they are. Um, so those are the teams, you know, Houston, Portland, San Antonio. I think there's, when you count all those up, I think those are going to be the easy, the easy games for us. So there's about 36 Mm -hmm. of those of the remaining games. If the Grizzlies go 23 and 23, so this is going to be, you know, against playoff level teams, then the Grizzlies would have 59 wins. So Marv, I mean, you might be right, right? If the Grizzlies can go basically 500 against playoff level teams in the NBA, um, then, then they'll be close to 60 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, worst case scenario, let's say we handicap them 10 of those games, right? So they go um, 33 and 13. I don't think that's going to happen. Then they'll end up with 49 wins. So obviously mm-hmm. still squarely in the playoff mix, probably a top six seed. Mm-hmm. Um Here's the thing. I don't think New Orleans and Minnesota are gimme games anymore. I think New Orleans is going to be freaking good, man. I think I think I think New Orleans with Zion Williamson back, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, CJ McCollum, bona fide Grizz killer. I think these I think these mofos are going to be good. Mm. Um, I think Minnesota is going to be better. I don't think they're going to be as good as maybe certain people think. Um, but I think they're, they're going to be better. And I think that we'll have to see how the Grizzlies match up against those two, but I think that's going to be a load for the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, I think that Chicago is going to be pesky looking out East. Um, I think the magic and the Knicks could both be good, but they're probably on the bubble of, uh, being in the play-in. I think Brooklyn, Boston, Atlanta, and Detroit, 
kind of hard to say, right? Boston is projected to be really, really good, but I just think there's a lot of drama going down, man. And they've got um, uh, Malcolm yeah. Brogdovich, who they brought in this year, uh, who's a great player, came from Indiana, but it's just it's just hard to know what's really going to happen with them. I don't think Atlanta is going to be that great. I think Detroit, as I say, is probably not going to be good this year. I think the Clippers, I think uh, Phoenix, I think Miami, Milwaukee, and the Warriors are all going to be excellent. Those are going to be hard games. So that's how I land at 51. Um, I think the Grizzlies will do a little better, um, you know, than going 500 against uh, playoff caliber teams. If they take care of the easy ones, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 51, but I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, there'll, there'll be some games where we, where we lose to a terrible team and then, then we'll go in and smoke the Warriors at, exactly at, at their place. Or, you know, um, it'll be an exciting season, and that's why it's such a delight to realize that we're on the cusp. No doubt. Of the season. It's going down, y'all. It's going down yeah, tomorrow yeah. night, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Your Memphis Grizzlies will be taking on the New York Knicks. And before we get out of here, we got to get back to Marv. Yeah, yeah. One, one, one real quick thing. So as I was looking, uh, KJ uh, – 48 minutes ago says Zaire Williams listed as out for tomorrow's season opener. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe, maybe you knew that already, but anyway, and then Dylan Brooks is doubtful. That. So oh, Dylan really? Brooks is doubt, doubtful with left thigh soreness. I don't know. Oh. Uh, any idea how that, how do you think that affects the starting lineup? Or, uh, um, wow. Well, that definitely means that Roddy and LaRavia will play both tomorrow night. It also means Xavier mm-hmm. Tillman's probably going to play. So I think yeah. on the back end of the rotation, you're going to see that. Um, it's just going to mean you're not going to have a lot of shooting, um, you know, as much shooting from bigs. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, Zaire Williams, I mean, he's he's a long – what did he say now? He grew an inch over the summer, so he's like 6'10". <laughs> yeah. So, so he's long. I mean, he's really more of a three, right? But, but he can mm-hmm. shoot the ball, so you miss that. You're going to miss having Dylan's defense. Um, so that, that's going to make for a real challenge for the Grizzlies. Um, I don't think the Knicks are going to be great, but they are going to be better with Jalen Brunson out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Julius Randle is always a load. Um, so I think it's going to make for, I think it's going to make for a pretty interesting, uh, game on tomorrow. I'm curious what the over under Mm -hmm. is going to look like. And if that's changed last, I looked, it was Grizzlies minus six. Um, Mm -hmm. so the Grizzlies were favored to win by six points. Okay. They've knocked it down to minus 5.5. So Grizzlies, uh, according to Vegas, are still projected to win. But Marv, we got to keep a, an eye on the other guys. I think I, I think yeah. our bench is not going to be as good as it was last year. Best bench in the league last year. Um, and so tomorrow night, we're going to get an early test. We need Tyus Jones to be better. That's for sure. He did not have a great mm-hmm. preseason, but mm-hmm. he's a veteran. He'll round into form, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Marv, we got to get out of here, brother. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Go Grizzlies. Go Grizzlies. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Love having you here on Memphis Hardwood. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see our Grizzlies debut tomorrow night for the 22-23 regular season. Y'all stay engaged. We are kicking off an amazing season. Thanks again for tuning in to Memphis Hardwood. We'll see you next time.